keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs. These are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Rob, and I'm creeping it real. Bam. Dude, we're entering the 30s. Yeah, I'm already in my 30s, so. Oh, that's okay. I'm 31. It's all right. You have some experience. <laughs> yeah, I've you got some experience. You can send us into the 30s. I'm 30 with one year's experience. There you go. There Perfect. Go. That's all we need. Now we're prepared. <laughs> now we are prepared. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite topic. That we're probably all very sad that we don't get to experience right now. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some there have been some going on. True, true. We're gonna be talking about reptile expos, but before we get this episode started, uh, make sure that you are following us on Instagram. We'll be posting pictures with each episode from some of the guests that we've had on. So if you want to see some of the animals that they're talking about or see who we're talking about specifically, check us out on Instagram at reptile.talk. Uh, you can follow Jeremy at Brassman Reptiles and me at Rob is Creeping It Real. Bam, but look at that plug right there. Look at there. that right there. Before we get started, <laughs> I don't want to get too deep into it, but just make sure you check out our Instagram. It's got a lot of cool stuff um, with the episodes that we got coming out. Oh, yeah. So for Reptile Expos, uh, I think we talked a little bit about like some of our first Reptile Expos. I don't know if I talked about my first Reptile Expo. Um, maybe I did. It was like this really small room with like six vendors and it was the massive reptile expo. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. yeah, And then you went to white plains for your first expo, which is like sensory overload, mind boggling. It's a giant reptile expo. Dude. Could you imagine if, if you lived close enough to have Tinley be your first reptile expo? I don't. I <laughs> no no. I would be a nutcase. Like I would literally be like I'm obsessed with reptiles, but I would have gone off the deep end if I had had like yeah. that sort of access to Dude. stuff. Like I, it would been. Silly. I would have gone off the deep end because back then, it not only would have been everything. like the crazy animals to mm. see there, but also people with suitcases of money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have been like, I need I to vent like, here. I don't understand what's happening, but I like it. I need to be a part of it. <laughs> Pretty much. I need a suitcase full of money. Yeah. <laughs> and not spend it at the Reptile Expo. Oh, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, I know that's not how it works. <laughs> oh, man. Oof. Oh. Yeah. I So I remember going to the trip to White Plains mm-hmm. was a frustrating yes. trip. It's a, it's a hike from where we were. Yeah. So... It was about two, a little more than two hours. Not mm. too too bad, but a little more than two hours for me. But I remember it was me and my mom and I think one of our friends who went with us. And we're driving. And back then you had a GPS. You didn't oh, have a yeah. GPS app. Not on, not on your phone, You had no. a GPS. Like a, one that a Garmin. Your, yeah, yeah, Garmin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right to your windshield. And, <laughs> and all it said, we were on like 91 South. Uh, and all it said was exit, take exit 21, mm. but it didn't say in how many miles or anything it just said take exit 21. So we take exit 21 and we're like, it's, we don't understand what it's telling us to do now. Yeah, it's the cheaper a, garment. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we finally get off and we're like, now mind you, exit 21 was still a fair bit of ways into, into Connecticut yeah. by the time we were like there. Um, so we finally like asked, mm-hmm. We don't understand what is it. Oh, yeah, you still got to go about an hour and five minutes before you're even close, you yeah. know. And we're like, huh? Uh-huh. So got back on the high. We're all, like, frustrated at that point, mm-hmm. you know. Even I was, too, because I went from being like, yay, reptile show, to are we there yet? Yeah. Like, we're literally. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're late. Yeah, we're definitely late. Um, and then finally got there, and it was like, oh, that exit 21. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I the night before the Reptile Expo, I could never sleep. I was when I was a kid, I used to get so amped. I'd just be sitting there and be like, "Is it time to go yet?" It's time yeah, to go yet. Yeah, and then yeah. we get up in the morning and my mom would be like, "Let's make some breakfast. Let's hang out." And I was like, "Look, Reptile Expo." And I was like, "Lose <laughs> I can't do anything. I need to Reptile Expo." <laughs> I just lose it. <laughs> like, luckily enough, the Manchester show was like the show that I would go to on a more regular basis uh, from Manchester, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. uh, to where I was living was about an hour, like maybe a little yeah, bit, right, right around an hour, uh, maybe a little bit more than an hour. So I 
was like, oh, it's taking forever. It's taking forever. And it's an <laughs> hour drive away, which is not a long time at all. But yeah. I, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, I got to uh, – the anticipation was too much. Yeah. And and my – you know, in the morning where I'll be like, let's just go casually. Like we don't want to get there right when it opens because there's going to be a line. And I was like, I'll stay – I want to be first in line. What yeah. are you talking about? I want I to, to be the line. I want to be the line, yeah. literally. <laughs> I used to get so amped up and – it's it was something that I looked forward to for like months because it, it was not reptile expos all the time. Like now, people are spoiled. There's like reptile expos almost every weekend. I mean, not because of COVID with with COVID now, not really. Yeah. But before COVID, on the East Coast, if you wanted to go to a reptile expo, you could pretty much go to one almost every weekend of the year. There's True. like very few times where there was not reptile expos. But when I was younger and I first started going to expos. The Manchester, New Hampshire Expo happened once in the spring and once in the fall. So you saved up all your money over the summertime, and then you went to the fall <laughs> expo and blew all your money there. And then you saved up over the wintertime, and then at the spring show, you blew all your money there. Yep. So vendors made a lot of money, and I got to see cool animals, and I got to get my feeders twice a year, and everything was cool. And then now reptile expos happen, well, before COVID, they were happening every other month, Basically, yeah, pretty much. Yep. And uh, no one spends any money because, oh, let's go to the next one. Or I'll buy yep. it online. Yep, exactly. It's yeah, times are, times, times are change. different. Yeah. It's a little different. Yep. Did you it's, did you spend a lot? Did you go to the Manchester Expo a lot? I would see you at the Manchester Expo. but I, I would go. Um, I would go from time to time. Uh, New York was really my, my jam. Mm. Um, but it's so much bigger, like yeah, and it just happened more frequently. Yes. So usually, what ended up happening because it would be like okay, I would usually do the fall Manchester show, mm-hmm. um, and then more often than not, either I had plans the day of the spring show or the spring show for Manchester and White the Plains. first spring show for White Plains were Same were day. within or within like a, a week, week of yeah. each other, and I'm like, I'd rather go to New York. Yeah, you know. Um, cause New York was certainly much larger. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there was a bit more of a variety down there. Just, I mean, minus like retics and, and stuff, but, uh, just overall, because there were so many vendors there, there was a lot more to see. Um, but yeah, the Manchester show, the Manchester show is where I bought like my first spider ball Python. Mm. Um, do you care to say how much you spent on it? Hundreds of dollars. I I'll, the first bumblebee that I got I like I saved up for a while and it was seven hundred and fifty dollars mm. and I was like this is the most amazing snake ever and I was yeah. like so excited and they were still going for like nine hundred thousand dollars at the time and I got one for like seven fifty eight hundred and I was like so amped and I I love I still love bumblebees I don't care what anyone says yeah. I still love them and that's one of the few ball pythons I still have is a bumblebee just because yep. I love the way that they look. And uh, that that animal was just like, I spent a lot of money on this. I hope you do well. Yeah. <laughs> and he did. Yeah. He did great. I was just like so – I was like 20 years old or 19 years old or something. And so I was just like saving all my money from work. I was like trying not to go out and do things. I was like, Oof. I need to save all this money. Save it all. Save it all. Save yeah. It. I, th- I think that spider probably cost me like 350 or $400. Okay. Like that's Okay. So it was like – Probably right around the same time about that bumblebee. Yeah, yeah, you know. But I was—I uh, don't even want to know how old I was. Oof, it was—it was a while. <laughs> it was a while ago. I was pretty young. Um, yeah, I was already kind of getting comfortable with spending hundreds of dollars on on per reptile. I, have, I guess I've never been comfortable. I'm, I still look at it. I'm like, oh my god, I just spent how much on that stuff? But yeah, I—I'm. I'm just trying to justify it now that it's an investment. It's yeah. not <laughs> I'm not just blowing money on snakes. Yeah. I'm working towards something. Yeah. For sure. For sure. That's holding all, back things that's to spend more money on feeders. Yes. That's yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I'm there too. Bro. You know. You know. No big deal. Yeah. It's cool. It's it's bad though because that's led me to get complacent dropping figures with commas. Ooh. For the for comma. certain animals, the comma is, is a things. dangerous, yeah. dangerous thing. Yeah. But I've uh, 
I will not say I've become friends with the comma, but not, uh, no. I, I see myself more uh, closer to an equal with the comma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, the mm. comma. Mm. But, uh, yeah, but, um, no, man, White Plains, I, I'm sorry, Manchester had a lot of, like, firsts for me for buying certain things. Because being a smaller show, like, it was a lot more, like, local vendors um, and, and kind of regional but there were a lot more like local people to the new england area yes. that were like there yeah. so that's where i made a lot of local connections mm-hmm. um for the new england area uh that's where i got connected with um rob hannison who at the time was like breeding honduran milk snakes and mm-hmm. had like some of the nicest honduran milk snakes in in this area um and I got really, really friendly with him. And now he's breeding Lichianus. He pretty much like got out of snakes totally. Hmm. Um, what a jump, dude! Yeah, seriously. Most people who I do mean, he liked leeches. Yeah, he mm-hmm. liked leeches back then, but like he was, he didn't like dive all into him. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm just kind of trying them out. And he like really liked them and got to a point where he was like, uh, snakes, snakes kind of got to go. I think it had something to do with having a kid and like all that, and price point <laughs> too for sure. But. Um, Dude, I can remember being at his table, and he never vended New York. Mm-hmm. So if I ever wanted to see cool Hondos, it was either drive to his place mm-hmm. or wait for the Manchester show, and the distance was almost the same. So I just yeah. waited for the Manchester show, and damn, he had some of the nicest tricolor tangerine albinos. Mm. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Some really, really nice ones. Um, who else, man? They were There were some people. See, I, I feel like the Reptile Expos are a great place for people to network and meet, you know, people who are into the similar projects that you're into. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, there has been in the last, like, 10 years a huge change, maybe in the last 15, that, you know, people used to do a lot of variety, and then they kind of swapped over and did a lot of ball pythons. A lot of people got mm-hmm. rid of their variety, and then a lot of the variety starting to come back now. People are getting into a variety of other things, other species, you know, yep. going from snakes to lizards, that sort of thing. Or, or just expanding beyond just working with ball pythons into short tails or retics or you know, whatever else people are ended up doing. But it's a great place to talk to people who are into the same things that you're into because, like, that's how I met Jason Chapman. That's how mm-hmm. I uh, ended up working with him or, or kind of building those roots with him is I would go to the Manchester show and he had a table with bloods and short tails and Amazon tree boas. And I was like, dude, yeah, that's the <laughs> stuff that I like to see. I love those. And I was not a lot of people were into bloods and short tails, you know, back then. So I was like, dude, I got to pick your brain because I didn't. Uh, but when I first met him, I didn't have any bloods or short tails. I think I only had just my ball python. And or even pr- I, I probably met him before I had any snakes. I just had lizards. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, dude, I got to pick your brain about reptiles. So I would just sit in front of his booth. And, you know, while he wasn't talking to customers, I would just sit there and, like, pick his brain and ask him questions and, like, check out his stuff. And I was always super geeked to see his table because he always had cool stuff on there that Mm. a lot of people, a lot of other people wouldn't have on there, Uh, especially where he was working on breeding those things. So it wasn't just like, oh, I got an imported blah, blah, blah. He, like, actually produced blood pythons and produced Amazon tree boas. And so I would just like pick his brain and pick his brain. And then that kind of led to after, you know, knowing him for eight years or whatever, 10 years that I had known him, uh, when he was thinking about opening up a reptile store, he was like, Hey, do you want to manage? Like, I know you're, I don't know what you're doing for work right now, but like, I, you're super smart. You, you know, work with reptiles. You're into a lot of the same things that I am. Would you want to come and, you know, manage my reptile store? And I was like, you give me two weeks for my job and I'm out, I'm doing it right. Like, let me know right now. And I'm there. But that connection never would have been made if it wasn't for seeing him at reptile expo, seeing Mm -hmm. him at the mass show, seeing him at the Manchester show, getting a chance to build that friendship and that relationship. I kind of knew him a little bit online from forums and stuff, but really getting to know him was more in person at those expos where you can kind of put a face to that name. So it's not just, Oh, I saw that person on Facebook. It's like actually a person that you can build that bond and, and share that information with because mm-hmm. that's where you get most of your information. You can read a lot of care sheets online, but unless you're talking to someone who's actually reproduced those animals and is working with those animals extensively, you know, a care sheet only goes so far. That's true. Yeah, just, yeah. It just doesn't. Book smarts don't trump street smarts. Yes. Yeah. In most instances. In most instances. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely hear that, though. I, I mean, I, I just to think about you know, again, like Rob Hannison and uh, 
you know, even though I was already very friendly at the at the time that I was going to those shows with the, with Adam Harris down in Connecticut, like yeah. seeing him at the shows, because it's not like I was going to his shop every day, you know. So yeah. seeing him at the shows would always be like, oh man, what'd you bring? You mm-hmm. know, like what do you have in that's mm-hmm. new? You know, so like when I first started, I was like really into Colubrids because Adam was like one of basically my my go to guy, and he was all into Colubrids. Uh, I joke with him now because back then he was like, eh, ball pythons, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. Not really my thing. And now he's like, check out these ball pythons Look at I this just thing. hatched. And yeah. I'm like, remember you when? Remember. You remember. You remember. Remember. <laughs> you remember. And it's funny because like when when uh, when he came up, because he was up this way not that long ago. Yes. Um, and I was talking with him and uh, showing him some ball pythons. And I'm like, remember when you didn't like these? He's like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> It's not that I didn't like them. It's ah, just that everybody, I was like, I was like, nah, you didn't like them. Yeah. He's like, all right, I didn't really like them. Uh. <laughs> but uh, so he would always get really bizarre colubrids in. Mm-hmm. And um, that like that used to always get me super intrigued because, um, you know, I mean, ball pythons and stuff were great. But sometimes colubrids, they have a lot of those, <clears throat> excuse me, missing color palettes and stuff that we don't mm-hmm. see in ball pythons. Um Oftentimes they're a little bit easier to manage and maintain because they're not thick, you know, bodied, super intense heat requiring species. For the most part, there are some exceptions, mm-hmm. but um, they tend to be a little bit easier to manage overall. Um, so, like, just seeing more stuff like, oh, my God, where'd you get that? Like, um, oh, man, I'm drawing a blank on the species. Bimaculata, uh, Chinese twin spotted rat snakes. Yes. Uh, I saw the first ones at Adam's table, and I was like, Ooh. "Oh my god, those are awesome!" Mm-hmm. Like, "Oh my god, those!" Are, I was like, "I need it. I don't. I don't care what it is." And I was so mad because I got that one from Adam, and then could not, for the life of me, find anybody that had them mm-hmm. back then. So I just had this mail forever and ever, and I ended, uh. up, get, I ended up selling it. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, there are a few people who are publicly saying that they have them and that they're breeding them. Uh. <sighs> frustration. You know, frustration. And that, I mean, it literally would have just been a project of, of enjoyment, you know, for me. I just really liked that species. Um, man, I'm trying to think who who else. There were some some people. Oh, uh, even like uh, Adam G. Yes. Yes, know? dude. Um, like White Plains, man. Mm-hmm. The Komodo booth, man. Yep. Him and, uh, and Pete and... Um, Oh man, Mike Costacos, yep. like all those guys that are like on the back, the back, back wall. Corner, yep, and they yep. have Borneos on their fucking table, yes. marbles, and I was like, yes, you guys, yes, you get it. Yep. I would, and you know what? I always made a point to stop at their table and ask them about the different projects they were working with, mm-hmm. because those guys are just so down to earth, and they are oh, working yeah. with some really cool stuff. And I'm just like, dude, they they've got that like. They're not flash. They're not trying to be flashy. They're not trying to be something they're not. But they know so much, dude. It was just like anytime that I talked to them, I felt like I learned a little bit something new and something mm-hmm. that I could apply to what I was doing because those guys are just so like into it, and they're they're so open to like just you know sharing that because they can oh, yeah. see how much I was into it, dude. I was just like I always stopped at their table to at least try and talk to them for a little bit when they were when they were vending at White Plains. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Yep. Um, and of course, almost, almost forgot, but can't forget Mike Curtin. I was going to say Mike Curtin is right yeah, on the other side right of the there. stairs right yeah. there. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, damn it all. If Mike didn't, uh, taunt me and tease me <laughs> with, with carbons, as soon as he learned that I was like into it and mm. was like, oh my God, these things are really cool. And then he started doing all the ocelot stuff. Mm. It was like, Hey, Hey, come here. You got to come look at come this. Come here. Come look at, look at that. Yeah. Look at that. You should buy that. I'm like, I don't, I, don't, I hadn't made friends with the comma at yeah. that point. Yes. So I was yeah. like, uh, it's I, not, it's, it's not very pretty. Me. It is. I would love it if you would just, you know, give it to me. Uh. I would, I would love you for it. <laughs> um, but yeah. And I mean, Mike, I mean, you, you know, most of my fucking jungles are from, from Mike, you know, so, and, and being able to go back and forth with him, you know, on different stuff. And like, I've produced things that he's like, what's, what's that? What you got there? What's mm-hmm. that? Huh? And I'm like, ah, this is cool. Mm, I like yeah. this, <laughs> yeah. you know? And like, so Mike was like, bam, like one of the guys, he was also like one of the first guys I ever saw at White Plains um, with info about nidovirus. Yes. So like, he's always been like, out there learning, mm-hmm. you know, and engaging in like what's happening in the community. And I've 
always respected that about him. You 100%. know, um, he's just a super friendly. And dude, he's just man. super awesome <laughs> guy, dude. I love that guy. Super awesome guy. Uh, dude, I can't tell you like. The first time that I saw um, Keith McPeak at White Plains, mm-hmm. I was so geeked, dude. I was like, oh, holy shit, because he was like, he had like a little half of a table or something, like yeah. sharing a table with a friend or whatever. And I was like, whoa, who because I wasn't looking up. Usually when I'm at an expo, I'm always looking, looking down at the table, at the yeah, table yeah, yeah. looking at the animals, just like scanning through, trying to see if there's anything that I'm like into there. And I'm like walking along the, the aisle, and then I see, wow, that Borneo is awesome. Wow, look at that Borneo. Look at that blood pipe! Whose table is this? And I look up, and it's Keith. And I was like, "Oh my God, it's Keith McPeak!" And I was like, so geeked out. And I was like, "Dude, oh my God!" And so we're sitting there talking about Borneos and stuff. And he's hanging out there with his family, and I'm just like, "Oh my God!" Because he's like the Borneo guy, and Matt Minatola is like the Borneo guy now. But like a lot of the foundation was kind of set by Keith, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Holy!" Crap! Just getting to see that person that you kind of look up to like that, mm. um, and be able to talk to them and just like you know bounce some ideas off of them and s- ask them what they're seeing and, and the stuff that they're producing and stuff. It was always just like an amazing thing to me that I could just get a chance to talk to him and just kind of hang out and you know I consider him a great friend now and he's just like him and his family are amazing. They're great. Yeah, for sure. And again, reptile expos. If it hadn't been for going to reptile expos and actually getting to build that FaceTime with them, it would not be a thing. Mm-hmm. And see, I, I don't think if I ever saw Keith at, at white Plains, it, it was never like I, at, at that time wasn't really into bloods and short tails mm-hmm. like that. So I didn't really know yep. who he was. I didn't start to learn who he was until I was getting really heavy into carpets. Cause he's also like mm-hmm. in that in same that realm, circle yep. too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had finally gotten the chance to talk to him just a couple of years ago um, at Carpet Fest. Mm -hmm. And that was like my first like real interaction. And then like I started like, I scoped him out and was like, who is, you know, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. Because everybody's talking to him, you know? And then I was like, oh, 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 he's got, he's got some baggage. Yeah, he's got the street cred. You know, he's got the cred, (laughs) you know? And like, I'm, 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 I dig it. (laughs) I dig it. Yeah. When I saw him at the, I went to the Daytona Expo in 2009 and I saw him down there and I, I didn't want to talk up, like take up too much of his time because he was, he was doing a lot of sales and like he was on top of it and everything. So I just like hanging out at his booth and like just checking things out. And I was just like drooling over some of the Borneos that he had there because he just had like some of the nicest Borneos around. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't talk to him a lot back then. I didn't know him as well. I just kind of knew him from online. I just kind of knew him from forums. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I hadn't built that kind of relationship or like, you know, friendship with him at that point. Uh, but then seeing him at the White Plains Expos, I was like, oh, you're in my neck of the woods. Like, it's not just like, I just saw you one time deal. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, this is cool. And uh, speaking of White Plains and seeing people there, Brian Barczyk, like when he, yes. he used to vend the White Plains Expo, he would drive from Michigan to yeah. New York to sell at that expo. And he would always have the end cap. Like when you walked in on the right-hand side, he had the end cap like all the way to the right. Yep, yep, And yep. Um, I knew him through YouTube and um, I used to comment on his stuff all the time and blah, blah, blah. And, and I got to know him through YouTube and when I would go out and visit him or when I would go out to that expo, he would always have like one or two employees with him there. Mm-hmm. And like he was selling most of like a lot of colubrids. He had some ball pythons and, you know, occasionally an oddball here and there. But most of the stuff was like, you know, bread and butter stuff that, you know, people are getting into snakes. That's what they want. Yeah. And so one day I saw that he was just like swamped. There was just like a lot of people around his booth. He only had like one or two other people there helping him out. And I was already, I had already done my sweep of the expo. And so I was like, dude, do you want help? Cause like, I'll, I'll come help you. Like you don't have to pay me or anything. I just like help you sell stuff. Cause I know all the stuff that he's got there is eating. It's all healthy and all that. Yeah, all oh, great yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I was like, I'll help you like just talk to customers and like get them set up. If they want to pay for anything, I'll give them to somebody so they can buy, buy stuff. Yeah. But if they just have questions about the animals, I can help you out. And he was like, dude, if you can do that, that'd be great. So I kind of made that a thing. So like for mm-hmm. a while, for maybe a couple of years, 
not every expo, but any expo that I went to that he was there, if he needed help at his table, I was there. Yeah. I was helping him out for at least a couple hours, you know, while after I had done my rounds and bought stuff that I need to buy, buy my rodents or whatever, I would go there and help him vend at that show. And it kind of started as a joke but from one of my friends, Limey, but I would bring oh, cupcakes. Limey. Yeah. Uh, so, dude, do you know how that actually started? Because a lot of people know me as like the cupcake guy. Yeah. Uh, do you know how that started? I don't know how that started. Okay. Actually. So you're going to let in on a little secret right here. Okay. So on Facebook, some of my friends had made candy. They like saw on like, I don't remember what, what YouTube channel it was. It was like uh, Epic Meal Time or something. But they mm-hmm. made like candy bacon where they like put bacon on a cooking sheet and then you coat it in brown sugar and then bake it and it like basically caramelizes the outside of the bacon yeah. and it makes it delicious. So my friends saw that and they were like, we should do that and put it on a cake. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. And they were like, we got to, tr- we just, let's just try it because it looks good. Let's try it. Yeah. So my friends actually did it without me. Like I, w- I wasn't involved in that situation, mm-hmm. but I had come over after they made it and they were like, Rob, you we did try it. This. You got to yeah, try, you gotta yeah, try yeah, this. Exactly. And so I tried it and I was like, oh my God. God, this is so good. Oh my <laughs> oh, this is amazing. And I um I posted it on my Facebook and Limey commented on it and he was like, Oh, you need to make me some of that. Like you need to do that. Yeah. And I was like, I only see what Reptile was do. Like, how am I gonna do and he's like, My birthday's coming up, do it. And so I was like, I don't, I don't think I can <laughs> good do old that. Because yeah. he was just messing around. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was hundred percent serious. So I was like, I wonder if I could do it on like a smaller scale and put the candy bacon on a cupcake and bring I'll bring cupcakes for him because that's like small and you can give them to the people who are working at your table. Yeah. And so I made like forty cupcakes and I brought them to the White Plains show. That, that next White Plains show, and he said it was right around his birthday. And so I did my once around, and then I go out to my car, grab the cupcakes, and I bring them in. And Bruce looks at me. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, they're for my friend's birthday. I like, I just got to bring it. And he's like, okay, as long as it's not reptiles, you can bring it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I walk up to Limey's booth, and I'm like, happy birthday, dude. And he's like, what the fuck is that? And I was like, um, <laughs> cupcakes? You wanted cupcakes? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you said on my pace, my page on Facebook that you wanted me to bring you cake with a bacon on it. So here's cake with a bacon on it. He's like, oh, I don't want that. And I was like, what do you mean you don't want it? And he, was like, he was like, oh, I guess I'll take one. And then he's like giving it to other people at his table. So they took like five of them. Yeah. So I had like 30 extra ones. And I was like, here, they're for you. And he's like, don't give them to me. I don't know. We don't want those here. And I was God. like, like Limey. I know. I love Limey, dude. He's yeah. great. Oh, yeah. He's so, awesome. So I was like, okay, uh, who else do I know here? And so, like, I went over to Brian's table, and I was like, hey, guys, I made cupcakes for Limey. And he was, like, right across the aisle from Limey. Yeah. And I, uh, he was, I was like, I made these for Limey, and he took the ones that he wanted. Do you guys want some cupcakes? And they were, like, at, like, 1 o'clock. If you ever vended an expo, <laughs> around 1 or 2 p.m., the lunch rush. you get exhausted. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. really exhausted, because you're not leaving your table. You're not able to go get lunch or food or whatever. You've probably been standing, standing for the vast majority of the day. So I came over there, and they were like, Oh my God. Yes. So I gave them a bunch of them and they had like you know, a couple each, uh, but there's only a couple of people vending with them. So I just went over to the other vendors that I knew and I was like, Hey, I got all these extra cupcakes. Do you guys want some? And so everyone that I brought them to was like, Oh my God, I love you. And they were, they tried them. Cause they were first, they were like bacon on a cupcake. That's not right. And then yeah. they tried it and they were like, okay, this is the best thing I've heard in a long time. Especially yeah. when you're hungry at a reptile expo. So <laughs> after I did that once, a bunch of people commented on like on my Facebook page and they were like, you should do that at every expo. And I was like, mm, maybe, I mean, maybe I'll do it. Yeah. And then the next expo rolled around and I was like, you know what, let's just do it and I'll see how it goes. And, uh, I ran out of cupcakes very quickly because word had got out that I bring cupcakes. <laughs> so like I brought them to my friends and by the time I got to like my last couple of friends, there was no cupcakes and they were like, what the f-? And they were mad. They were like, why didn't you bring, I was looking forward to those cupcakes. Ugh. So I, <laughs> I made it a point to at every expo that I go to from like then on or as, as many as I could, yeah. I would make 
you know, 50 or 70 or 100 or <laughs> 200. I was going to say, uh, I think you've, I've seen you with hundreds. Yeah. When yeah. I did Tinley, la- not last year, but the year before, I literally made 500 cupcakes. Jesus. I was like, I'll just give them out to everyone. And then not everyone wanted them. So I ended up with like a lot of extra cupcakes. But <laughs> that's besides the point. It's uh, but food for the road. <laughs> any of the expos that I attended in New England, I would bring candy baking cupcakes. And it kind of became a thing where people were, would see me and they'd be like, you got cupcakes? And I'm like, yeah, I got cupcakes. Give it. I usually don't, I don't like to bring them in first thing in the morning. I like to bring them in after like 12 or 1 so yeah. that everyone gets a little hungry and they're not like, you know, I usually freeze them the night before so that they're thawed out and they're fresh when people get to eat them. So, yep. I don't know. That's so that's a long, that's convoluted the, story yeah. of the candied bacon All cupcake. All from Limey. All from Limey. You, yeah. Everyone who has enjoyed a candied bacon cupcake, message Thank Limey. Limey. Thank him because it all started with him and him not wanting the cupcakes. Bastard. <laughs> but oh my so gosh. that's like whenever Lori would come with Brian, she was always like, the cupcake kid come by. And I'm like, <laughs> 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 so she likes those cupcakes. And that's I, true. I don't they, they're good. No, they were talking on about the it podcast, on their yeah, podcast. On the Texas yeah. podcast. Yeah. yeah. He used to bring all the cupcakes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The cupcakes. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people just know me as Cupcakes. So. Hey, hey, could be worse things to be remembered for. Uh, yeah, I'll take that over so. Snake Musk. Yeah, know? yeah, 100%. Yeah, he always smells like the stinky snake. It's you know? funny because like <laughs> when I'm bringing around Cupcakes sometimes, I'll bring them in or, and, or I'll carry them around in a bin. Mm-hmm. And it's a bin that I would like use, most people would use for snakes, but it's one that I put like um, aluminum foil down in the bottom. Yeah. And so people see the aluminum foil in the bottom and it's like blocking the sides and they're like, what has he got in there? Like expecting me to have some like crazy snake in there. <laughs> and you're like, and then they cupcake. look and they're like, Cupcakes. And they're like, oh, that is not what I was expecting. And then the next thing out of their mouth is, is that bacon on a cupcake? <laughs> every time. Every yeah. single time. Yep. And then I'm like, yes, it's bacon on a cupcake. And then they're like, can I have one? And if you see me when I first get in the expo, the answer is no, because they go to the vendors first. Yep. And then if you see me after I visit the vendors, then I'll be like, I got a couple left. Take one if you want one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I so I I don't have the cupcake story, mm. but uh, when it comes to Barcheck, but uh, I yeah I met him at at the White Plains show. I think this was back two thousand nine or something like that. So it's mm-hmm. it's been a while, and um, I very rarely have I ever been any kind of like oh my god like yes this is blah blah, blah. it's so and so yeah. But when I learned that Brian was going to be at that expo, I went to my mom and I was like. Listen, I know we weren't planning to go, but we need to go mm-hmm. because Brian's going to be there and I need to meet him. And she was like, okay, we'll figure it out, whatever. So we ended up going and uh, I saw Chewy first because <gasps> Chewy was there. And I was like, oh, it's oh my Chewy. God, it's Chewy. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and then fi- so I got finally get over there. I had to like muster up mm-hmm. the like gumption to go talk to him. Um and did and I was and he was like super chill and like introduced me to everybody blah 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 and um, yeah I was basically like every expo like was there he was that he was there I was there and um, it essentially became ended up becoming the same thing if he looked like crazy swamped yeah it was basically like because I usually if I wasn't vending there myself I usually got a vendor badge yep because <laughs> i knew somebody who either needed help or had an extra and they were just like here you know whatever See, i wasn't smart enough to do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i literally would wait in the line oh no i hated it you know what made you know what the turning point was for me i went out to a show and it was like winter yeah and it was hella cold mm, and the line was outside. hella long yeah. and i was like never again yeah <laughs> like so from that point on it would be like hey you got you got one of them badges? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Listen, buddy, I'm coming. You got one of the badges. Dude, um, really, really funny little aside before you tell the rest of your story. Yeah. The first time that I went to Tinley was when Brian was still attending Tinley. Brian Barshark mm-hmm. was still attending Tinley. And I was I bought, like, the VIP badges, but we were waiting out in the line still to get in for VIP. Yeah. And uh, Brian was coming out with his – crew who was filming and they're going down the line going down the line going down the line and he passes me and he looks at me and he's like Rob and he, his camera guy keeps going and he comes over to me he's like what are you doing out here and I was like you know waiting to get inside it's still like he's like 
why didn't you call me? I would have got you vendor badges. You could have come in. And I was like, I'm an idiot. I didn't even think to ask. I didn't want to bother you. And he was like, oh, no, dude, it's totally chill. Just just come up. We're, we're going back in after we're done filming. So just come with us. And so, like, I went in with him. And I was like, I am dumb. I should have been doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like you never want to be like, I don't want to be that guy. In. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. Come on, bro. Yeah. Hook me up. Yeah. Hook me up. And especially, like, I used to never feel comfortable doing that because, like, from a musician standpoint, mm-hmm. you always hate. To yes. be like, hey man, the put me on the ticket. list. Yeah, put me on the list, man. Let me, you know, hook me up. Because especially if it's like somebody you you want to support, like you want to yes. go to support. Part of that support is financial support. Yes. So if you know somebody in a band, just pay, pay the fucking door fee. Yeah. Anyway, um, I got I I I just got tired of hearing from the same people. Oh, just let me know when you're coming. You should just let me know you were coming. So yeah. I was like. All right, bro, I'm, I'm going to tell you yeah. the next time I'm coming. And it's worked 90% of the time. Yes. The other 10% of the time, it's, oh, we brought somebody. Yeah, we already got somebody filling that and, spot. Yeah, and you're like, fuck, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that first expo that I met Brian at, <laughs> that was literally one for the history books and one that Brian certainly will never forget. Yeah. Uh, because... That was the expo that my mom got railed in the, the face by python. that blood python. I was at that expo. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember taking her bloody face and all over to Brian's table, mm. looking at Chewy and being like, beat That's that, a bite. bitch. <laughs> That's a bite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. For those of you who don't know, Chewy was a guy who worked for Brian back in the day, and his thing was he got bit by things. Yeah. Yep. That was that was it. That was his spiel. He w- That was his thing. So yeah. um, I don't think he ever one-upped. The bite to the, the face. The blood bite to the face? Yeah, yeah. no. I think he did I alli- think... baby alligator to the nipple, but that's Ooh. not – still not blood to the face. I don't think that I've upped that, so I'll, I'll – Yeah. I'll it's fine. There. Yeah, no, it's fine. Don't Definitely don't need to up that one at all. Shout out to you, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so after that, it just – it was like every, every show, if he was there for White Plains and, like, looked like he was getting swamped, I would just be like, hey, dude. Or it was – I've we've already established enough of a friendship where I'm just I'm gonna walk behind the table yes, and yeah. just be like say hello yeah. and whatever and be like do you need help yeah. are you good you know whatever and um, through that I ended up meeting a a fair bit of people just because he always was bringing people either mm-hmm. his people from his crew or friends he had in the area mm-hmm. that he would just hit up and be like hey you know whatever um, but yeah Brian Barcheck <laughs> <laughs> dude it's crazy to think of the the network that I've made over the years because I don't think about myself as that guy. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I get people who come into nerd now and they see me downstairs and they're like, Oh my, it's the guy you're for, you're on the YouTube channel. And I'm like, what? Oh yeah. We do YouTube videos here. I forgot that we did that thing. Yeah. I also do a hundred other things too. Yeah. But, so yeah. We're not. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like a celebrity, but you know, when I go and I've networked and I know a lot of, people it's so weird to go to an expo and it's like a lot of people who go with me to an expo hate going to an expo with me because they're like you just talk to like everyone you know everyone here and i'm like i tried to network i tried to you know if i've got an interest in geckos i try and find this you know the gecko that i'm interested in that people work with it and i try and talk to them you know i try and find that commonality because the thing that kind of brings us together for those events is reptiles exactly that's the thing that brings us all together i'm throwing it back right to the that's it right to to the the intro yeah Yeah, there you go (laughs) but like when you get a chance to talk reptiles because i mean for me i live an exception to the rule because most people don't have a lot of reptile people around them in their everyday life that they can just nerd about (laughs) reptiles with it's just not something that happens and i'm in a very weird situation or, or you know unusual to the normal that I'm surrounded by people who like eat, breathe, and sleep reptiles. Very true. And yeah. I can just talk reptiles with everybody, and and I don't talk about anything else. Anything else? Most, yeah. Most <laughs> of the time, uh, but you know, for the other people, when you go to an expo, when you go to a herp society meeting, you get to like share that excitement with people who feel that same excitement, as opposed to posting a picture of your snake on Facebook and people going, burn it with fire, burn down your house, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. Which is some people, you know, some people, I, I see posts on Facebook all the time of people who have like a couple snakes and they're like, I can't even post pictures of my pet that I love because people tell me to burn my house down and it's terrible. Yeah. And it's like so frustrating because I, I am so far removed from that. 
I only post reptile. So those people <laughs> weed themselves out. They wouldn't even make it to my profile if they felt that way because yeah. that's all they're going to see. Yep, 100%. I'm I'm glad that I I mean I I post more reptile stuff now. I've posted more reptile stuff now in the last year than I have in a while, obviously because I'm at Nerd. Yes. Um so I'm doing reptiles full time, but for a good like 6 years when I was doing music full time, a lot of music. It was all like music based or for the most part music based. And a uh, of yeah, a couple of reptile and things streams. thrown in there, right? And as I started to transition to get more into rep, I would go to gigs or I would go to like music-related conventions, and people, you're the guy with the snakes. <laughs> My profile was fucking normal until we became <laughs> friends, and I just kept seeing freaking snakes. Who the fuck are you? Oh my god! <laughs> and I'm like, get ready for a wild ride, buddy. Yeah, Here we go. I only post <laughs> like forty percent of the, all the things I'm working with. <laughs> you're like oh boy here it comes yeah exactly though exactly uh, I've had a lot times, of my though. family members though that they're like I had to unfriend you on Facebook because all you post is snakes and I'm like yeah. that's fair I don't yeah. take it personally no I had some um, some teachers um, that would be like hey is there any way that you can like remove me from your feed like because I still want to see your feed mm -hmm. I just don't want to see the reptile thing is there a way you could like edit it out <laughs> and and I had like a large enough number of people that have requested it where I basically made a, a publish really? setting that I called the anti-reptile people oh. and uh, and it was only because <laughs> I wanted to keep that relationship with these were people that I had to see yes. every week, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't want to deal with the, oh, thanks for the snake photo again. Yeah. You know? So I was like, I got to work with you guys. So it's, I'm, I'm willing to do it because you're nice people. <laughs> now I'm like, sorry, sorry. it's all you get. With it. It's deal all you it. get. Now it's, it's flopped every once in a while. You'll see a picture of me with a trumpet, but for the most part it's snakes. So deal with it. Deal with it. <laughs> and like it. Yep. Yep. You better like that photo. You better like that photo. Nothing more annoying than hearing, oh, I saw you posted that on Facebook, but I didn't see your name pop up on the likes. Uh, no support. No support. No. <laughs> Dude, isn't that, that's like, pro that is probably one of the more irritating things when, for me at least, when, um, especially from the music stuff, when uh, somebody's like, oh yeah, I saw, you, I saw you were doing whatever, blah, blah, blah. I saw your post on Facebook and you're like, but your name didn't come up at all in the comment section or the mm. the reaction section. So you just yeah. creep in my Facebook profile, bro. Like you can literally just click like. And because people also don't understand what that does for the algorithms. Mm -hmm. So the more engagement, the better it, it is, you yeah. know. So just click just a heads up for anybody who's unaware. If you're a weird Facebook creep. Uh, and you're looking at at somebody's photo or post, and you know at some point you're probably gonna see that person and be like, "Oh yeah, I saw this really cool." Th you better have fucking liked like that. It. Like it. You better have liked it. Throw a like on it. Yeah. You literally now you don't even have to, you don't have to worry about loving it or caring about. You don't have to worry about it. Just click like and then keep scrolling. <laughs> if you're gonna be that guy, because that dude, because I've called people out. Really? I've 100% called people out because. <laughs> The the social media, I don't want to go on a huge tangent, but the social media algorithms are weird. We obviously yes. know that when whatever. And I would get people, like I'd share a post about a concert mm -hmm. and maybe 20 people would like it. Mm -hmm. And I knew every one of those people because it was like my band. The people who are going to be there. And like my immediate family and then like the people who I knew were going to show up. Mm -hmm. And then I'd hear... A week or so later from so-and-so, oh, yeah, I saw that you were doing this concert. You know, how, how was that? And I was like, oh, oh, you saw that? Oh, that's like cool. <laughs> you, you didn't like it, though. You, you didn't share it. You didn't help spread the word. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, well, you, you know, I mean, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm supporting you, man. I'm, I'm showing you some support. And I'm like, literally, I appreciate that. Yes. I definitely appreciate that. But literally the click of the share and the click of the like does so much for somebody who's trying to put anything out there. It doesn't yes. need to be music based, whatever the way those algorithms work, the more engagement there is, the better it is. And on a value system, shares are super valuable. Comments are pretty valuable and likes are, they're Easy. helpful, yeah. you know? So just in case anybody didn't know whether it's, you know, music thing or not, 
I'm there's some value there. I'm gonna let you in on a little. You're gonna be disappointed in me. Oh no, were you one of those people? No, well, kind of. When, <laughs> I, when I first got Instagram, yeah, I was like super careful. I was like. I like that picture. I don't know if I. It's a good picture, but it's not a great picture. I'm not gonna like it. Uh, <laughs> I like, you graded it. I was it. so terrible. You graded dude. it. I felt you like bastard. I was. I was like, oh, I don't know if I. I mean, I like that snake, but it's like the picture isn't that great, so I'm not gonna like it. Ah. I was like so careful about it. Now I'm like, I see people post pictures of their dogs. I'm like, I don't even like dogs, but I like you. So hey, take that like right there. <laughs> take that. Take another like right here. How about that? Your baby? I like that. I don't uh. want a baby, but I like their baby. Yeah. Look at you. I like my friends. Yeah, you're just I'm throwing out likes. likes. Yeah, I'm throwing them everywhere. I'm like, yeah, get that. You get a follow. I don't even know you. Look at that. Oh look at that no. Thing. no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Follows are precious. I'm I. <laughs> Donnie yells at me all the time because I follow too many people. I'm actually I'm trying to cut back. Yeah. So a lot of the I, you know what's really sad. Hmm. This, I'm sorry, everyone. We're gonna take a quick little detour. We can even edit this out if you want to. But no, it's fine. I'm cool I, with the detour. I I, uh, I went through my Facebook, my Instagram, and Oof. I was looking at the number of accounts I follow because it was close to 1,500 or it was over 1,500, <laughs> and I uh, was looking at a lot of the pages that I had liked. Because when, when I first got Instagram, I was like, okay, I need to be really careful. And then after I followed a few accounts, I was like, fuck it. I'm like, I'm following everything. So I kind of went too <laughs> crazy and like, like followed too many things and liking too many things. And I went back and I was like, okay, I need to unfollow some of these accounts. So like a lot of the ones I don't interact with because Instagram will show you which ones you don't see and which ones you don't interact with and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at it and I was like, because I love Boston Terriers and I followed a lot of Boston Terrier accounts. And so I uh, I went through and I was like, oh, I haven't seen any posts from this Boston Terrier in a while. And I go to the page and there's like a memorial post and it had, oh, died. No. It had died two years ago. And I was like, oh, oh no. Oh, no. It's just unfortunate. It happened like five or six times. I was uh, like, oh, no. Oh, that's so sad. Unfollow. Uh, I'm so sorry. Ah, <laughs> hit him with the unfollow, too. I, well, they're not going to. They, the I know. They're not going to update anything. Yeah, I, get it. I get it. It was sad. I get it. It was very sad. Bastard. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) But so with COVID now confusing and bejumbling everything, I I don't know what Reptile Expos are going to look like here in the future. I heard that the Repticons, uh, what they were doing is that people will get a two-hour wristband so that they can go in for their time slot. So if you show up anywhere between, you know, say 10 and 2, or sorry, 10 and noon, you can come in and browse and there's a certain number of people who are allowed into the venue to look and buy and do whatever they're going to do um and then at the end of those two hours everybody clears out if you got a wristband mm-hmm. if you're not a vendor everybody's out and then they have a cleaning crew th- come through with you know spray sanitizer and all that stuff and they sanitize the tables and the floor and blah 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 and all that stuff and then they wait 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is and then the next two hour time slot people can come in and I think that that's probably going to be the, the safest way to do things. But I've also heard of a lot of expos that are just like, fuck it. Like, just let everybody in. Let, let them do whatever they want. And, you know, wear a mask. But other than that, free for all. And I think that that is probably not going to do us any favors when it comes to the COVIDs. Uh, and, and <laughs> you know, for anything, really, it's just not the safest thing for us to be doing. But I'm yeah. really curious to see what happens when 2021 rolls around and people are trying to get back to quote unquote normal mm-hmm. and what the expos are going to look like because I don't I have no idea what it's going to look like at all. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really bizarre and especially you know for the for, if you just have like one local expo that you go to, you probably get some sense of normalcy and yes. whatever the changes might be. Um, but for those of us who travel for shows, yeah. it's it definitely looks like state regulations are going to de- really, really dictate how the expos are, are run and everything. Mm-hmm. So it'll take a little bit longer to, to get used to that. Like, it'll be really interesting to see how large scale reptile shows like White Plains, like Tinley, are even able to function. Yes. Um, you know, and then in some areas, it seems like it's basically... Like whatever, nothing Wait, happened. Anything? Did anything change? Yeah. Nah, nah. It's a little bizarre. Shout out to you, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty uh-huh. much. They were like, COVID. Haven't heard of her. COVID. <laughs> that bitch. Yeah. We dropped her. Yeah. yeah. We, don't, we don't talk to her no more. Oh. Uh, see, photo, yo, don't. No problems, oh, no more. No. <laughs> 
That's an insider, guys. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really curious to see. And then also with um, people, like, the more research is coming out about nidovirus, I'm mm. really curious to see how that affects Reptile Expos as well because it's not some isolated thing. It's something that is going to affect people on a much larger scale, and I don't think that people are ready to have that conversation yet. Yeah, I... Um... I'd be interested. I just, I speaking of, of nidovirus, I just sent a group email out to our team mm-hmm. that we're um, trying to do that video Project, with yep. and whatever. Um, and uh, I had asked. I haven't heard anything back from from everybody just yet. But um, I asked if there's any new mm-hmm. updates, new, any new research, and whatever, because everything is slowed down in the midst of COVID. Yep. You know everything. So, because um, I think I had seen one of them had posted something about a new publication mm-hmm. or an edited publication, but I didn't get the chance to read it, and now I can't find it. So <gasps> I don't, like I don't know. I forgot to like it. <gasps> I did because it was literally one of those like, I'm on my phone for a brief second. Now I'm distracted. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't get the chance to like it. Um, shame, shame, shame. I know that is my hypocritical moment for the day. We're all hypocrites, bitches. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just just to see what kind of new updates are are happening, and then it, then it really comes down to as more information is going out, then there needs to be uh, those conversations with show promoters and stuff, mm-hmm. and like, what are you going to do to to ensure that there's some more biosecurity? Mm-hmm. Um, at the shows and it literally might be you know from starting at a basis which has kind of already been a thing vendors should have hand sanitizer on their at tables, every table yeah know, regardless of of, of nidovirus yep. um then it literally might even be as simple as like maybe reducing the number of vendors in a space by by a, a handful mm-hmm. um to allow for a greater distance between tables mm-hmm. um or even putting up some kind of barrier Divider. between the tables be you know um, so, and, and, you know, it, it would take a little bit of time to get used to for sure. But, you know, in the instance of, again, biosecurity and maintaining that safe place to have an expo, you know, where, when you think about it, where every time we go, you're setting up b- between next to one or two, or sometimes even more people that are essentially touching your table, yes. um, with their table, their displays, their animals, that uh, you know they're in their own space outside of the show, their own husbandry, their own whatever you know, because mm-hmm. nobody's husbandry is perfect, yep. you know, and you just never know what's what's in somebody's collection. True. You know, nidovirus can be asymptomatic for forever, so they mm-hmm. they could have an animal that has it and they just don't know. Um, and with primers being updated, you know, constantly, so can, constantly, you know. Um, they might have animals that tested negative that could actually be positive, and they just don't know, and that's yeah. nobody's fault. Um, but you know, it's beginning to have those conversations, I think, is something that you'll see within the next probably the next like year or two. See the next two years, you yeah. know, um, where it's like, okay, well, how are we going to work to to prevent this? You know, yeah. and I I think one of the biggest things will also be. An, a generalized rule of no, you can't touch that animal unless yes. you really plan on buying it. And I know a lot of times people, especially people who aren't looking to buy, um, get turned off when a vendor says no, you can't hold that. Yeah. But you know, when it literally comes down to a biosecurity hazard yeah. and and the animal's life, you know, like if you get mad at that, then you don't you don't need to even you be don't there. actually care about the animal that much. Yeah. yeah, you know, you just want some cool little thing to put on display. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting to see how that how that works out. And I mean, essentially, we just need to social distance our reptiles. Yes, it's basically what what's happening. I I think that it's going to be very interesting. The next couple of years of reptile expos are going to be very interesting to see uh, where it all lands, where it all falls, and how the expos are going to change. Because I know that a lot of the <clears throat> southern expos are kind of like a, a not a party but like a you know a social event where mm-hmm. more than the reptiles are people hang out and you know drink and you know shoot the shit hang out after the show after breakdown and all that sort of stuff and and the northeast expos are kind of more businessy where it's like people show up they do their business and then everybody kind of pretty much go out. yeah you might talk a little bit here and there but it's not as social as the southern mm-hmm. shows or the western shows and I'm curious to see if the Southern shows changed at all in regards to that or whether it's just going to be like, ah, we're fine. We're cool. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I know, like, I saw a couple of clips from the uh, Arlington U.S. Arc auction because mm-hmm. that's certainly, especially with all the NARBCs or or even you know Daytona when they've got a bigger show that's doing one of those auctions. What is that going to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and it it looked kind of empty. Yeah. But of course they they have to adhere to to their guidelines of how many people can be in the space and and whatever. So for what it was, it was packed. There were people at every table in every seat, whatever. It just looked if you've ever been to a US Arc auction, yeah. it's generally packed like wall to wall. Yeah, yeah, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but you deal with it for a good cause. Yeah. And um this this did definitely didn't look like that, but from what I understood, they still raised a, a good bit of money, which is always cool. always important. So I don't I don't know if the number has actually been released yet, but um, it's it's all an adjustment period mm-hmm. for sure. So it'll be interesting to see how that manifests and gets tweaked as we continue to deal with things. I hope that they still do uh, guest speakers and have people educating people at the expo yeah. because like that's one of the favorite my favorite things about the Tinley Park Expo was getting to see guest speakers there talk about the various things that they're passionate about because I mean it's like an in-person podcast. You get to listen to someone yeah. talk about the things that they're really interested in and the things that they're picking up on and uh, this past year at Tinley the 2019 October Tinley they had uh, symposium talking about uh, geckos, which was like amazing. There was mm-hmm. cool. they talked about knobtail geckos and field herping different gecko species and uh, the effects of UV light on them and stuff. And I was just like mm. super geeked about that. I was so interested in that. Uh, they had the gecko symposium the night the night before uh, Tinley, I think it was. Yep, yep. And then uh, the year before, they had Ari talking about Boland's pythons, and they had people talking about crocodilian behavior, and and that sort of stuff is like, yeah, you can watch a video about it online, but getting to talk to the people who are actually doing it is like so much more interesting to me for sure yeah. than sitting at home and watching a YouTube video about it. Like, I'm not knocking, you know, if that's what your deal is, but like. It's so much more interesting to me when I get to meet that person and kind of bounce some ideas off of them or just get to say, hey, I really appreciate the info that you're sharing. Like the person who did the crocodilian thing, I went up to them afterwards and I was like, that was amazing. Like I was not expecting that at all. I was not expecting any of that. And it really changed my kind of mindset on crocodilians and their learning behavior it was just, it really caught me off guard and I was not yeah. expecting to learn that at, at a reptile expo. And, you yeah. know, I wish that more expos did guest speakers and, and programs like that because I think that it's huge. I mean, herb societies definitely can kind of fill that niche, mm. or niche, but uh, going to an expo and getting to experience it at an expo was just, I, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely feel like that's uh, a, a bit of a gap yes. that a lot of expos are missing for sure, so. Who knows? People just think it's a lot more business. But I think I th- that's why I really enjoy the Tinley Park Expo because I feel it's really well-rounded. They have the mm-hmm. auction to raise money for U.S. Arc because U.S. Arc is out there helping protect our rights uh, to keep reptiles and to enjoy these creatures because there's a lot of laws being pushed forward and, and being submitted to kind of regulate the um, way that we can keep these animals and the ability to keep these animals like Florida trying to ban tegus and iguanas and successfully basically banning reticulated pythons and scrub pythons and anacondas and that sort of stuff. That's not an isolated thing. That's going to be something no, that is going to continue happening. Places, so we yeah. need to support U.S. Arc and the work that they're doing to help make sure that we can still work with these animals. And so, you know, Tinley Park has got the U.S. Arc auction, help raise money towards U.S. Arc so that they can continue to help us uh, in our ability to keep reptiles. They have the guest speakers coming there to share ideas that are new and evolving in the world of reptiles so you can get that in-person podcast feel. And last year I was one of the guest speakers talking about educating the public and how people can help teach other people and uh, you know, and then the expo itself, getting to meet breeders and people who are mm-hmm. working with the species that you're interested in. It, the Tinley Park uh, Reptile Expo is one of the most well-rounded expos, in my opinion. You know, as far yeah. as at least ones that I've been to, where it comes to education, supporting the future of the hobby, and also having a wide variety of animals that are there. It's just like it hits all the things that I kind of 
am into. So for sure, I, I like it. If you haven't got a chance to go to Tinley, you should try. Whenever they do it again, yeah, <laughs> you should Oof. do it. Or Oof. if you can attend any NARBC show, I would recommend it. Check 100%. it out. Yep. You know, Tinley Park definitely is the big one. Uh, people come from all over the country. I make the trek from New England. We drove 16 and a half hours, almost Oof. 17 hours straight. Yep. We to did get it. there. We did and, it. And back. And back. We did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to get a chance to put a name to a face, to meet those people that you're building your online you know, relationships with and getting to really solidify those friendships because I mean, it's that's, that's it. what it's all about. Man. It really is worth it. I love sure. it. Hell yeah. Mm. All right, mm. dude. So Jeremy, yeah. People want to find out more about you. Where are they going? Okay. You ready for this? There's a lot of places now. So Facebook, Instagram, uh, at Brassman reptiles, Patreon at Brassman reptiles, Twitter at Brassman rep and YouTube, YouTube, at Brassman Reptiles. Bam. How about you? Uh, if you want to find out more about what I'm doing, the best place is probably to check me out on Instagram. I'm sharing a lot of uh, my projects that I'm working with. It's at Rob is Creeping at Real. And then Twitter, Rob is Creeping. I don't really post on there that much, but I'm trying to be more good about it because Donnie tells me I need to be better about it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, make sure that you check out the Reptile Talk page. Yes. At reptile.talk on Instagram. Uh, check out our website or, you know, if you're listening to this, you found it somehow, but mm -hmm. we're on all major podcast platforms, Stitcher, Apple, Google Podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. Let us know how you think the podcast is going, any improvements that we might be able to make. And we're very glad that you've got a chance to check out the Reptile Talk podcast. Until next time, guys. Until next time. See ya. Au revoir.